0: Ed, I don't care what Tim Anderson said at first base where cameras caught him talking to Jose Abreu and some people thought it was him saying I hate this place after he did not advance on a, I believe it was a wild pitch, could have been a pass ball. He could have been saying I hate the pitch clock. He could have been saying I should be on second base. I've had a lot of people tell me what they think he's saying. None of that bothers me and none of it concerns me. What I saw that stuck out to me over the weekend series with the White Sox and the Astros where you lose yet another series. You lost two out of three. You're averaging two out of three losses. You're 14-28. and You have twice the losses as wins. What concerned me the most, or that stuck out to me the most, I don't know if it concerns me, it stuck out to me, was that moment when Anderson approaches Abreu and they embrace on the field. And it reminds me of when my teenager, my teenage son, when he's upset about something, and he wants to look tough and he doesn't want to hold the embrace too much. And he's he's bothered and he's coming to me because he needs his dad for a moment. And you see Anderson embrace Abreu and pull away and Abreu doesn't leave him. He continues to hold him and you see Anderson's shoulders shake and shrug and his head's down. And you see Abreu trying to offer words of encouragement to him. And I'm like, the White Sox have broken Tim Anderson because this guy is down, he's in the dumps, this season is so hard on him, and I'm sure he's not the only guy in that dugout who feels that way, but here's a guy who Ozzie Guillen saying isn't a leader, being hugged by a guy that Ozzie Guillen said recently wasn't a leader either, and these two guys are leaning on each other, one's having a rough start with the Astros, the other one in the middle of this horrible season. And to see Abreu hold on to Anderson and Anderson's reaction – that's the thing I zeroed in on over the weekend.
1: Well, really what it turns out was uh, Abreu heard him say, I, I ate that hummus plate. <laughs> and then he's holding him because he knows, he knows that if Tim just lets go of everything, he's going to pass out from, from the gas. It, it, right. was just, it was purely a gastrointestinal event for Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu.
0: That's what your lip reading showed you? That's,
1: that's what you saw? Keep in mind, my glasses broke the other day, so I can't really see much on my phone and I didn't get to a computer screen for a couple of, a couple of days here. So uh, I might be wrong about that. But no, I, look, Tim Anderson is broken. Uh, he is a guy who probably realizes what a massive star he would be in any other market. And that's an indictment that I've, I've placed on Jerry Reinstorf and the White Sox before of where Tim Anderson is one of the faces of Major League Baseball, according to the MLB. However, we don't know much about Tim Anderson in the local market because they only have one or two outlets that they'll let their players go through. Uh, so t a if he was in anywhere, call it Tampa, Pittsburgh, doesn't matter. He'd be a huge deal and 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 he's not here because he's 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 this guy that the MLB wants to promote because he's such a great player and he's such a good guy. and the White Sox, you know, maybe he gets maybe he gets a shot. Uh, you know, at a couple of interviews a year.
0: They handle their guys so close to the vest, because... I think they're mostly afraid that their players themselves will expose even more problems within the organization, which is why you have to fire Rick Hahn. You have to fire Kenny Williams. You have to fire Chris Getz and his his poor minor league system into the sun. And Jerry Reinstorf should sell the team. And this episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Cork and Carey at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton, the official home of Sox in the Basement. We are giving away the staff of Cork and Carey today on this episode. We'll get into it in just a little bit. Um, but... I think that's a problem. You're right. It would be great if we could hear more about what's going on with him and with the rest of the team. Maybe they need it. Maybe they need a therapy session. I was out in Blue Island this past weekend at a Mayfest event that was up and down Old Western Avenue over a hundred some vendors and people selling things and artists and live music. And there was food up and down the street and they suspended the liquor laws so they could all walk. up People could walk up and down It was a big giant, like three black black party. And we were sitting right in the middle of it for Southside pod and sacks in the basement. And the amount of listeners to this show that came up, first of all, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you came up. And those of you that apologized to me, like, Oh, I love you, man. I may have missed a show or two. This team is terrible. I understand. I totally oh, we get, get it. We get it. We I, totally get it. I totally get it. Heck, I missed a show or two. Yeah, listen, uh, you, know. <laughs> you did. You missed a show or two. And, and listen, the, the, the way that everybody speaks about it, the new listeners, because we signed up some people that are new today. We subscribed them while we were there and we had some giveaways. And, and then the listeners that we've already had and Sox fans in general walking up, they all basically said the same thing. I hate this team. Like it, it was the the phrase I hate this team was brought up so many times, and they're not saying they're not fans, and they're not saying that they you know that that they've turned on the players. They're not saying that. They just hate this team and where it's at right now. They hate this season. The fans are battered as well, and they don't know where the hope is going to come from because the old man is probably never selling. So you're waiting for him to die, and he's probably not, never firing anybody. Like why does Ethan Katz still have a job at? When you look at the at the rotation, and you look at the bullpen. And you look at Pedro Grafal run out there the other night to try to get Aaron Bummer out of the game and he sprinted to the mound because he's like, uh, ah, we're done with you. Like he trusts like two, three guys right now in that, in that, in that bullpen. Why are we waiting till the end of the year to make a change there? Send a statement. Your rotation is completely out of whack, and the only guy he ever really impacted is leaving at the end of the year, according to to Bob Nightingale, because you're not even going to make an offer to Lucas Giolito. He's probably getting traded at the trade deadline. What are you keeping this guy around for? What did he do with the pitchers that you assembled in that very expensive bullpen for him to continue to have a job? And and the thing that I kept getting from White Sox fans is what we want to hear right now, what they, what they were saying is, I'd really like to just keep track of them on the outskirts of the season. Like, just mention what's happened over the last couple of days so I don't have to watch every game, Chris. You know, and keep hammering. The front office, even though I don't think any of them believe that anything will happen substantial. And I think that's how battered the fan base is right now. And it really struck me being out with all these fans that came up and spoke to me over the course of those four or five hours I was out in Blue Island. And I guarantee you it's the same way wherever you go right now.
1: Well, uh, White Sox mouthpieces just tweeted out that actually the fans were telling you that they ate a hummus plate and were complaining about
0: the pitch (laughs) clock. So none of that really took place. Um, no, no. In fact, I'm talking to the fans that don't like the team, but the, gra- the great majority, according to Rick Hahn and and probably an awful lot of the mouthpieces over at the Jerry Reinstorf uh, television network. OK, all of them are probably still trying to tell you, like, oh, the real fans, they shouldn't get down. We're going to get this fixed. We still have a chance. You're 14 and 28. Coming out of the weekend, you lost three of four to the Royals, for crying out loud, and two out of three to a struggling Astros team. Are you kidding me? That's the 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 problem
1: is, is that, of course, you're right. Nothing is going to change, blah, blah. Yeah, we're all frustrated. And the real fan base is frustrated, too. And if Tim Anderson is saying that he doesn't like this place, Tim Anderson's not saying that because he doesn't like the city of Chicago. No. Tim Anderson's not saying that because he doesn't like Pedro Grafal. No. Tim Anderson's not saying that even because he doesn't like Jerry Reinstorf. Tim Anderson is saying that because he understands, and I think the players get it, that the fans are supremely frustrated with the organization. The fans are not coming out. And when you're a player and you're not getting a lot of fan support, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to get motivated to play. I mean, yeah, they're playing for money and they're professionals and all that stuff. They are showing up and they are playing the games, but they're beaten down too. So The only people in the organization that don't seem to be beaten down are the front office... And the people who apologize for the front office professionally,
0: <laughs> and and that's and that's really what you're looking at, right? Uh, yeah. And then the people that are on the periphery that uh, are trying to hang out with the people that uh, professionally apologize, like I mean, there's like a whole right. string of it that's uh, that's out there. It's like a web of apologies or trying to defend this, and you can't defend this anymore. And you're fine with being upset about it.
1: That said, you know there are there are things going on with the team. It's like anything else. You know, if you take away the championship expectations. Uh, and you take away the expectations on this team to be good, you know, there's always things to look for and watch for. And and you can see where certain players are, you know, starting to emerge as we thought they would. You can kind of watch the Lucas Giolito watch. I think, like you said, he's going to get traded at the deadline. There's no reason to hold on to him. You can, you can kind of watch for that now and sit there and say, okay, you know, how quickly could this team retool around Luis Robert Jr. and Andrew Vaughn and – whatever parts of Aloy Jimenez are actually still functioning at this moment.
0: <laughs> I want to get with, into that with
1: a Lucas Giolito trade or with a, even a Tim Anderson trade, which I know sounds like something that would be, would have been sacrilegious to talk in the off season, even though I'm pretty sure you and I did.
0: No, I, I think we did. And and I think that it's a real possibility. I want to get into that. I want to get into what's currently on the roster that you can actually get behind as a fan even though you don't trust the people in charge to make the right decisions. But we're going to talk about that. I want to do the recap over the last couple of days. I want to hand out the staff of Cork and Carrie. And I want to remind you that mom and dad, grandma and grandpa don't want to go to assisted living. Like, they didn't work their entire lives to get put into a home. Uh, Let them switch to a new age of life with Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. Anybody who's ill, dealing with injuries, old age, they can get around on their own, live independently with stair lifts, ramps, grab bars, lift chairs, even bathroom remodeling. Uh, Hyatt's going to work with your insurance. They're going to give you a discount if you mention socks in the basement on top of that. And they have 0% financing for qualified individuals. If you use a CPAP machine and you're unhappy with your vendor, switch today. They're going to directly mail supplies to you or you go on into that showroom and they have testing rooms. They're going to show you everything that's available to you. They also have the latest in continuous glucose monitors. I want you to learn all about what they do by going to HHME.com or stop in and see Hyatt Home Medical Equipment in their big showroom. It's beautiful. Just remodeled. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. When I look at the team right now and I was having this conversation with dad, you can go and just take a look at the at the pitching staff. And in reality, it's Lucas Giolito's the only guy you trust right now, even though Dylan Cease finally had a good start, and that was his, his best start since opening day. Gregory Santos, also trusted by his manager, but and his whip is high. Uh, it, it's higher than I like, but his fielding independent pitching at 2.39 and the fact that his manager trusts him, he's getting more and more opportunities coming out of the bullpen. Kendall Graveman is actually having a pretty good season so far, Quietly, I mean, he's doing better than his norm, and Joe Kelly found it again. And, but besides those four names, Giolito and the three relief pitchers that I mentioned, you don't have very much to trust, especially after you spend all that money on it. When you look at the, the actual position players, though, there's so much on this team, Ed. I mean, Yasmani Grandal has had a pretty good year so far. Andrew Vaughn may not be the superstar that you want him to be yet. But his OPS plus is sitting right around 100. He's got a 725 OPS. He's only hitting 236. I want him to get it up. He's only got four home runs. We need to see more power. But I still feel there's something there. Jake Berger's a beast. He comes back and he immediately contributes to the team. 969 OPS this year. Luis Robert Jr., 897 OPS. On fire over the last couple of weeks. Aloy Jimenez, if he could stay healthy, has at least been average when you compare him to the rest of Major League Baseball. Gavin Sheets, same thing. Hanser Alberto's been the best guy coming off your bench. He's average when you look at his hitting compared to Major League Baseball. Yuan Moncada is actually having a pretty good year when he's on the field. You have some talent on your team. You need a little bit more of the high-end talents, and that's why the White Sox and Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams failed in not going out and getting a Machado or a Harper or some other impact player, because imagine that thrown into this lineup. They also never fix second base or right field, because notice I didn't mention a second baseman or a right fielder as I went through the guys that are viable on this team. And your bench is weak, so when you suffer an injury, you can't overcome it. That's it. That's the White Sox in a nutshell. Do they have pieces? Yes. Would it be nice if you could look at Berger and Jimenez, and Vaughn, and Sheets, and say, I probably only need two of those guys, and wouldn't it be great if my general manager were competent and could actually make a deal to move talent that would be viable on other teams for talent that we need at positions that we don't have? Yeah, that'd be great, but he's incompetent, and that's why he shouldn't be here anymore.
1: You hit it on the head when you're looking at the players that we have here, and and Jake Berger, for example, It's it's kind of sad that with the time he just missed, and the fact that he really wasn't an everyday player to start the season. I mean, he it's not until Yohan Mancada gets hurt that he gets in the lineup on a regular basis and he gets hurt himself. He's still second on the team by a long shot in home runs, right? He's got eight and the next closest down is
0: what, four, I think. Right. So it, it, I mean, he and Robert Jr. should be in the lineup all the time. Yeah. Like, I understand that you have players that you built more marketing around but that guy's one of the stars in your lineup and he shouldn't be on the bench. Ever. I don't care when Jimenez comes back. He should be fighting for time over Berger in the DH spot if Moncada's still hitting a third. I'm sorry, it's true. Jake Berger has contributed more to this season and his arrow is pointing up more and he's had far less injuries over the last couple of years. I mean, ever since he made it to the majors and got over those initial things after he was drafted and look at his draft stock. That guy... Has earned the opportunity to be out there swinging a bat every single game.
1: Well, how about this for something that you know we really should be seeing when Aloy Jimenez is back healthy? Aloy Jimenez has not been saved; his health has not been saved by being a DH this year. So put him back in right field. Yeah, you put him in right. You, put him in right field. Put him back in the outfield, or, or put him in left and move Ben Benintendi over to right. That's fine. Put him back in the outfield, have him play out there every day. That's what he wants to do. Make him happy. He's getting hurt, whether he's a DH, whether he's on the field. It doesn't make a lick of difference. The guy's made a glass, apparently. So let him go there and then let Jake Berger be the DH. And if he needs a day off, Gavin Sheets is a perfectly fine fill-in. If there's a really, really nasty righty that you don't want Berger to have to face, or if he's feeling a little, you know, a little something in one of the Achilles that was repaired, whatever. He's going to take a day off here and there, but Berger should be the primary D.H. on this team. Aloy Jimenez should go back to the outfield because it doesn't matter. He gets hurt anyway, and that will help stabilize this lineup. And And fine, build around Jake Berger. You, you never traded him, so you either believed in him or nobody else did, or you were expecting this to happen at some point with the idea that you were going to trade him, but now he's not surrounded by superstar talent. So let Berger eat. Which i like it it's a I weird was a, way to say that
0: but let burger that's eat. a t-shirt that's a t-shirt we're making it let burger eat really <laughs> <laughs> let's take a look at the recap this is brought to you by the village of lamont want to experience a downtown with real history great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventure visit the village of lamont shop dine drink explore and uh visit lamontdowntown.com for information on their 150th anniversary with a uh, a special beer that's been put out there in Lamont uh, celebrating it i'm gonna get out there all right here's the recap for those of you who are trying to skip everything that has to do with this team and i totally understand it here's the standings they're 14 and 28. they're they're nine and a half games back they are lucky to be nine and a half games back because they play in a terrible division they're nine back in the wild card as well none of it matters you have a negative 71 run differential my goodness, it's, it's horrible. Everything is bad. Don't feel bad if you miss a game from time to time. Don't feel bad if you're like me. My my dad goes, hey, do you want to go to the game tomorrow night? And I go, no, I can't. And he, he goes, he goes, well, why? And I said, well, Audrey's got her, her marching band banquet. He's like, you really want to go to the marching band banquet? I'm like, I don't know. It's 25 bucks a head. They're going to feed me. There's a cash bar. I'm not giving my money to Jerry and I don't have to watch him lose. Like, normally I would have told her, sweetheart, Papa's got tickets. I got to go. And I will go to games this year, right? But now, things that I normally would have skipped to go to a White Sox game, not skipping them.
1: Oh, I've got tickets flying at me left and right that, that you know, just nobody seems to want. It's been
0: ugly. It has been ugly. So many uglier players over the last seven days. Andrew Vaughn hit 174 over his last six games with a 512 OPS or uh, Alberto, who's currently your second baseman with Elvis Andrus injured, uh, you know, or Romy, whoever you want to throw out there that's going to be bad. Alberto's actually been good over the year, but over the last six games, and he's played all six of the last seven days, 158 with a 449 OPS. Even Gavin Sheets falling off. He was hot for a while. 222 with a 611 OPS. The only guy that's starting to heat up a little bit, Andrew Benintendi, who had a 775 OPS over the last week. And then the winner... Of the staff and Cork and Carry. It started as a gag.
1: I write a blog called Mismatched Socks that that companionizes with our little show here. And in one of the early ones, I suggested that if Rick Hahn doesn't get his stuff together, that we should just bind and gag him and toss him to the staff of Cork and Carry and let them deal with him. And then I realized <laughs> that not only is the staff of Cork and Carry a group of people that would deal with Rick Hahn for one thing and also provide fantastic service when you go in the shadow of the ballpark before the game after the game. Uh, but also, it sounded like some sort of mythical weapon, right? It like does, something that it? you would wield, the staff of Gork, and carry and use it to smite thine enemies. And so I started handing it out every time I write a blog. And basically, when you go over the last seven days or so, uh, none of the pitchers are really worth it. Although Giolito's not been terrible, he's just been sort of okay. But by by far, the only guy on this team that is doing anything of note in the past week or two is Luis Robert Jr. with his four home runs, seven RBIs, a 348 average of 1.305 OPS. I mean, just absolutely killing it right now for the Sox.
0: Listen, go back 15 days. Go back 15 days. His last 13 games. That OPS is higher. The batting average is higher. Oh my 422. gosh, it it's 4.22 with a 1.442 yeah. OPS. Yeah, he's he's killing it, man. He's he's on fire. And and you know what? He's a star. He's a star surrounded by a team that isn't good enough. He's he is Mike Trout. You know how they always said he's like Mike Mike Trout? He is well, Mike he Trout. You didn't mean that way. But that's what he is. He is at least at least he gets to wield the
1: staff of cork and carry in a mythological sense and smite his enemies with it. even though Mike Trout, you know, would probably sit there and go, hey, I'll take Tim Anderson on my team. Tim yeah, you will here. I know, or you're, right. you're right. Or eat a hummus plate or whatever you
0: said. There is, there is talent on the team. It's really the pitching staff. But looking at Luis Robert Jr., lo- looking at him and what he's done, and he deserves the staff of Cork and Kerry, and he'll probably hold it for a while, with lightning going off above his head When he when he when he wields it above his head, the wind whips up and everything like that. I've got it. Your mythological staff. I see him growing a gray beard while he holds it. I would imagine whoever holds it like immediately is transformed into some the sort of. The pinwheels go
1: off on the scoreboard it's right. Fireworks. It's just lightning. Exactly. And fire. That,
0: that's what happens when you have it. And I'll be looking for that when if I if I get around to watching a game. Right. But when when I when I look at what he's doing right now, it all comes after he was held accountable. Isn't that amazing? We always talk about how there's a lack of accountability. Kenny Williams thinks there's tons of it. There isn't. That's why all the same people still work there, even though they're all inept and the and the team is constantly mired in mediocrity or worse. But you had a manager hold him accountable. And of course, they blame the hamstring and he sat out for a day or so. But I've also felt like there was a little bit of truth there. and And in, in, in just a wake-up call for a player and look what he's done since that moment. And I wonder how much leeway the manager has when you have the pressure of a front office that doesn't want to show their mistakes off to everybody because you do see them almost force feeding the same players to Pedro and not not switching things up I mean the bullpen is really like the big thing right I mean there there are guys who are performing down in the minors and if they really were trying to win they'd be rotating some of these guys out and bringing other players up and, and then you see Ethan Katz still sitting there as the pitching coach let your manager do something else because you, you could see how frustrated he is with the staff. But look at what happened when he was able to hold the player accountable, even if it was in a little way, and how the player responded. And that's how professional baseball teams operate. Ah! Hailstorm Brewing Company, the official brewery of Socks in the Basement, out in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue, uh, has lunch specials that you wouldn't believe. In fact, their Scratch Kitchen now opens at 11 a.m. for lunch Tuesday through Sunday. It is completely acceptable in this day and age to go and have lunch and a beer at a working brewery that's got a beer hall vibe to it like it's a German beer hall that's got an incredible tap room that's in there. You know, have your next business luncheon or just take a break in the middle of the day over at Hailstorm Brewing. Take take a listen, take a gander to some of the things that are on the menu at this very moment. They've already had their smoked chicken wings featured on Chicago's Best. That's how good they are. They are out for like a month, and boom, they're on television. Their spicy roast beef sandwich, their Andouille po' boy, their cheesy flatbread, their pork belly sliders, whatever you're going and getting, uh, wash it down with a delicious beer. Several of them have won several awards. Get out there to Tinley Park, 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. And as you heard with that music as I started talking about Hailstorm, uh, it's time for the socks Nerd. Dave Marin sits up there and puts all those nifty tidbits and nuggets up on the scoreboard at Guaranteed Rate Field, and he joins me right now. How are you, Sox nerd? Great, Chris. How are you? I'm good, man. I got to be on the field last week. Did you hear about that? Since we last talked, I had batting practice at the rate.
2: I saw that. I'm, I'm glad you didn't drop my name. They would have escorted you right out of there.
0: <laughs> no, it looked, it looked like it was a great time. It was a, it was a great time. We're talking about Louis Robert today and we handed him the staff of cork and carry that he will wield until somebody takes it from him because he's playing so well. Uh, Do you have anything on him? Well, Chris,
2: as I've told you many times, that my late mother's mantra was always to dig for the pony. That is aggressively and enthusiastically seek out the positive. Lately, that's been impossible, so good night. Just kidding. The most positive thing the Sox have going right now is Luis Robert. With that in mind, here are a few nerd ass gems on the Sox center fielder. Robert is killing it in May so far. When the Houston series ended, Robert was leading the majors with 19 hits and six homers in the month. If he maintained that pace, certainly the club May home run record of 12 set by Frank Thomas in 1994 and the club May hit record of 43 set by Buck Weaver in 1920 are in reach. This May shouldn't come as a surprise, though, based on Robert's track record. May has always been his best month. His surge in the last few days has boosted his career average in the month to 370 with a 433 on base percentage. At this moment in time, that 370 May average is tops in Sox history and second all time among players with at least 135 at bats in the month. Only Ike Boone's 377 average from 1924 to 1932 is higher all time than Roberts may average. Boone, by the way, played with the Sox at a reported 300 pounds in 1927, but May was the only month that season that he did not play for the club because of a bout of appendicitis. Robert emerged from the weekend series as the White Sox all-time leader with a 395 average against the Astros. Who's second among Sox with at least 10 games against Houston? How about Alejandro Diaz, who hit the Astros at a 375 clip from 2012 to 2015? Pedro Fall has moved Robert all over the order so far this season, starting him at least once in the first six spots of the order. Robert's best slot has been number five, where he has slashed 364, 440, and 864. His worst spot is at the top, where he is hitting 056 and six starts. I found it really interesting that Robert's splits show he's really good early in the game. In the first and second innings of the season, Robert is hitting 421, In the middle three innings, Robert is at 205 while he is hitting 288 in innings 7 through 9. Along those same lines, Robert is batting 412 when facing a starter for the first time, but only 222 the second time through and a meager 179 the third time through. And then there's his defense. Robert is leading big league center fielders with seven defensive runs saves and covers ground like no Sox outfielder I have ever seen, with the possible exception of Mike Cameron and Lance Johnson. The best number associated with Robert, though, is his age. The man is only 25, which hopefully means he's still ascending. Now my zinger, Jake Marisnyk. Jake Marisnyk? What are you kidding me? Believe it or not, the journeyman outfielder is already an all-time leader in Sox history. No position player has appeared in more Sox games without a plate appearance than Jake Marisnyk. Since being promoted from AAA, Marisnyk has played in five games without batting. He's made four appearances as a late-inning defensive replacement and one as a pinch runner. Of course, one at bat will blow all this up. But at this moment, Jake Marisnik is the king of White Sox batless appearances. And that last item alone is why I am known as the Sox nerd. Thank you, Chris. Take care.
0: Ed, the Sox nerd brings up Jake Marisnik, a guy who was elevated to the roster due to injury. I was surprised about Yasmani Grandal going the entire weekend. You see Carlos Perez come up, see Carlos Perez go down so they can make room for burger. You never see Grandal. On Sunday, all they had was Sebi, from what I could tell. And I, I don't know, if, if Grandal's able to come in in an emergency, then fine. But it's always a hesitation to put him on the IL, and they wait too long. And then sometimes they come back, and I don't think they're ready yet.
1: Well, and I wonder, too, are, are they are they so reticent to put guys on the IL because they've had so many guys on the IL. And th- that's been the story of this team for a couple of years now of Robert spending time on the IL when, you know, you're kind of looking at him going, okay, he got hurt. There was a whole Madrigal getting injured a couple of years back. Aloy is obviously a thing. Of all the guys that that have spent time on the injured list that you would sort of expect, yes, Monty one of them, okay? I mean, this is a veteran catcher. Veteran catchers get hurt. And they spend time on the injured list. It's just, it's a fact of life. I mean, it's, that's why most teams will actually have a guy, you know, more or less be in a split situation at, at Grandall's age. I mean, he's not, he's 34, and th- that's a lot of miles on a catcher's body. He's been doing this a long time. But I think you're right. They rush back and they don't have the depth and they don't have anybody coming up. That's why, that's why we're stuck with Lance Lynn, frankly, is, is, there is just nothing in the minors right now for the White Sox that suggests that they should be bringing a guy up to have him start games, because the only starter that you have at Charlotte that's really doing anything of note is Nate Fisher. He's got a 3.38 ERA, 1.23 whip. He's, he's done all right for himself. Jesse Schultons has already been up. He's done all right for himself, but you don't have, you know, like highly touted prospects waiting to come up and take spots in the rotation. And you don't have highly touted prospects sitting at Charlotte waiting to come up and take over for, And you know, I mean, Carlos Perez is there. He's ready to take over for Yaz if you need to put him on the IL. But for the most part, the White Sox minor league system right now is just bereft of guys that are the
0: next guy up. I clicked on the Texas Rangers just randomly. They're a first-place team. They're 25-15 and right now, four games up on the Houston Astros in the AL West.
1: By the way, a team that the Sox are supposed to be as good or bad as going into this year, according to
0: Pocota. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players currently listed on their injured list, including Mitch Garver and Corey Seager and Jacob DeGrom and Jake Odorizzi, among others. And what's funny is you hear two starting pitchers are injured they're not shallow. They still have Dane Dunning that they got off of us and Andrew Heaney and John Gray and Martin Perez and Nathan Ivaldi and Corey Bradford starting a game for them or actually did yesterday. This is a team that said we need to make sure we have depth because we want to compete. Why are they run differently than the White Sox? I don't know. Ask Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and, and Jerry Reinstorf who keeps those fools in the front office. Go ask them, because we don't we don't operate that way. But the Rangers are able to go and do it, and there's really no difference in terms of the structure and the payroll between the two teams either. And the ability of the Rangers to put together a team that's sitting in first place shows that there are much more confident front offices out there. We just have guys that have jobs for life. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll pick another one. Let's pick another first-place team. Let's pick the best team in baseball right now, the Tampa Bay Rays. They are filled up on the injured list, and they're all pitchers. It's Their entire opening day pitching staff seems to be on the I.L. right now. Yeah, Baz, Glasnow, Rasmussen, I, I hope I'm saying his name right. Rasmussen? Yeah, Jeffrey Springs, they're all on there, plus they got three relief pitchers. They're all on the I.L., they got seven pitchers. In-
1: including their closer, Pete Fairbanks was their closer, right? So their closer's on the I.L. Rasmussen and Glasnow were their top two starters, uh, and Jeffrey Springs was their number three.
0: Yeah, you've got you've got seven pitchers on the I.L., And they keep winning. Competent pitching coach. Good player development. Depth put in there by the general manager. That's the difference. Right there. It's not because the White Sox are unlucky. And it's not even probably because their training staff's bad at things. I've started to believe that the front office just likes to make them the scapegoat because they want to hide how bad they are at putting a team together.
1: Oh, I don't believe that for a second. That the training staff is is culpable in this. I no. mean, I,
0: everybody gets injuries. Everybody. Yeah. Teams in first place right now have massive injuries across the board. But guarantee you, you're gonna get you're gonna get told. Well, you know, we didn't have Liam. Remember we said that? We said they were gonna do that. Wait till that comes out. Wait for them to do that. Wait for them to to, to pull that at some point. Well, if we would have had our closer. You know, Garrett Crochet was ready at the beginning of the season. Everything would have been different with this bullpen. Give me a break. Look at what other teams go through and how they survive and how we can't.
2: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. In the basement. Heard everywhere a Podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.